Hi everyone and, uh, and welcome again. This week the session's about prayer. Prayer is, uh, is just one of the things you need to master if you want to walk with God. So let me start off with a definition of what prayer is. Most people talk about prayer and they think about asking God for stuff and, um, and he does it. And that's just got very little to do with prayer and we'll finish off talking about that. Let me give you a little um, introduction to what my experience of prayer has been. Prayer is about discerning the heart of God. It's about feeling uh, the presence of God and his passion and concern for other people. It's about engaging with the supernatural in a healthful, clean way. It's part of the warfare that is the spiritual life. For me, prayer has often been a place of awe and wonder and sometimes terror and holiness. Very often it's a place of boredom and discipline and just hanging in there. It's a place of refuge and deep comfort. It's, a, it's an attitude that builds in me that just looks to God all the time. In a sense, you don't stop praying. Prayer is something I can do on my own. Prayer is something I can do with other people. Uh, there are ways to pray that leave your mind completely out of the equation. There are moments in prayer where it's as if God takes control of your mouth and, and you're saying his prayers in your mouth. Um, there are prayers of faith where something rises in you and you know it's going to happen before it even happens. Prayer is rich and nuanced and vast and it will take you the rest of your life to work it out. But I want us to get away from this idea. Prayer is when I tell God what to do and he does it because that's absolute rubbish. It's an entire life lived in the presence of God. Phil. Right. Hi, I'm Phil. <laughs> I'm Mike. Now, Hi. <laughs> so now we have some idea of what prayer is. It's, it's a, in a sense a conversation or an experience with God. But you know, if you're like me, I started off and I said, I, I don't really know him or how I should approach him. Well, you really only get to know somebody out by hanging, by hanging out with them. So let me introduce you just a little bit to God, our Father. This idea of Father, he's not just the great God out there, he's our Father. On the one hand, our Father is delightful, he's approachable, he asks us to approach him, he's lovable, we love him because he first loved us, we're loved and we love him in return because he's lovable. And he reaches down, he reaches down into your life to show you love and care and comfort. We can come near and chat with God. We can be informal with God. We can draw near to God. But on the other hand, He is also God. And He is awesome and powerful, even scary. And He demands holiness. This awesome God who shook the mountain when He came down upon Mount Sinai, this, this awesome God who blew the Red Sea apart and allowed His people to walk through, this God who became scary to them because he was so, so holy and so majestic, he demands also from us holiness. So how do we approach him? How do we come to this holy God? What do we do that, that satisfies this request for holiness? On the one hand, it's terribly difficult. On the other hand, it's so very simple. You see, I can never be holy enough <clears throat> on my own to come into God's presence. And neither can you. But God makes a way. We draw near. This is the way God said to do it. We draw near through the sacrifice that he gave. His son Jesus. And when we draw near through God, uh, through, to God through Jesus, we have already access. You see, Jesus really impresses God. You don't. 
You're not impressive. I'm not impressive. We have so much baggage that we bring with us. But his son, who obeyed him in everything, delighted the father. He took the hard hit for us. And he was crushed. He was destroyed. So that we can come easily to the father. God gave us a picture of this approach when he told Israel to sacrifice an animal to him. When a lamb was sacrificed to God on the altar, it was burned up, it was destroyed. But as that smoke rose up towards God, it came into his presence as a sweet-smelling aroma. God said, I'm pleased with the sacrifice for your sin. And this is a picture. It's a picture to us of the animal being sacrificed, being destroyed for us. We should have been destroyed, but the animal was destroyed. And as the smoke went up, it reminded God that our sin was removed. It was burned up. And the smoke was a picture of us drawing near to God. And this holy, awesome God welcomes us to talk to him. He invites us to talk to him. And he gives us his ear. This God who rules the universe bends his ear to you and to me. But you know, there's something you can do, we can do. God says that to come near to him, we need to have clean hands and a pure heart. How do we get clean hands and a pure heart? Well, we go through the stuff that you've been talking about in the previous videos, perhaps. We start off by confessing our sin. And sometimes when we come to God, we have sin to confess. We confess our sin. What sin? It's all that stuff that doesn't look like God, that isn't in his heart. We commit to follow Jesus to follow his example, to follow his teachings. And we thank him greatly. The more you get into prayer with God and hang out with him and get to know his love for you, the more you say thank you. Thank you for your great love towards us, your kindness, your mercy. We come humbly. I don't strut into God's presence. I come humbly. But I come with great joy to my Father God. And so can you. We talk about what's bugging us, what's troubling us. We talk about his word and how it delights us. We talk about our desires and our goals. What can we do to serve our king? We ask him to guide our lives in grace and to show us the way forward for his glory. That to me is the approach and the ascent to God in prayer. Mike. Mm. And can't stress that enough. There's this horrible idea that we just shrug our shoulders, put our hands in our pockets and slouch into the presence of God. No wonder our, our culture doesn't know God anymore. God is a consuming fire and, and every, we cannot say enough about the love of God and the, mm. the passion of God to reach out to us and the acceptance and inclusion of God. But seriously, where, as you learn to pray, one of the first things you have to learn and please spend time this week with your mentor talking about this. We need to develop our approach to God. The stuff Phil just shared. How do I come into his presence? But then after you've said, hello, God, what happens next? Now, I've got a long list of things here about what can happen in prayer. And I, I really think it would be counterproductive to read it. But suffice to say, for me, prayer is the great fascination of my life. In prayer, I fully anticipate I will meet God. That just sounds like a platitude, doesn't it? And, and I can't take you to what happened this morning as I sat in dead silence without words beholding 
the beauty of the Lord. And I'm misting up just thinking about it. It's so powerful to be in mm. that presence. So you've got to give your life, I believe, to some serious thinking and reading about prayer. Prayer is a massive spiritual discipline. It's, it, you master prayer, you master absolutely everything. And your personality has been crafted by God for you, for you to serve other people, and for God himself to relate to you. And there are ways to pray that will work for you that would not work for me. There are things that I do in the presence of God that you would laugh at if you knew what they were. There are exercises that I do. You would say, oh, that's nothing but pop psychology. What's that got to do with prayer? Deeply, for me, probably not for you. And so I commend you to a lot of time just, just thinking about how to fold in the various disciplines of prayer. I'm going to use a phrase a lot. It's the trellis. And there are 20, 30, 100 pieces of available exercises and disciplines and practices in prayer. They're all just lying on the ground, but we've got to make something on which this vine that is our, our relationship with God can grow. So you take the ones that work for you and you put them together. Like I said, we only got a quarter of an hour. I'm not even going to try to tell you what some of them are. Great books to read. Talk to your mentor. Get in touch with us at church. We can guide you to some stuff. But critically, work this. There's a thousand ways to pray and there's a beautiful way that's going to work for you. Don't try to copy somebody else's prayer life. I mean, take what they do and have a crack at it and see if it works for you. Um, there's liturgical prayers where you actually read stuff. When I get really stale, I go there. I actually just read prayers that other people have written because it kickstarts me. There's transrational prayer where your mind's not active. There's people who keep shopping lists of prayer that they can talk through a list with God. There are people who write their prayers in journal. And I'm getting started on the list I told you I wasn't going to give you. Phil, say something. <laughs> so there are many ways to have this conversation with God. And we're beginning to get an idea here that God is huge. He's awesome. And as I said earlier, scary, frightening. The more we get to realize how great and majestic God is and how small and insignificant we are, one, one speck of humanity on a, on a speck of dust in a universe that sits in the palm of the hand of God, he's great and enormous. And yet we can't get away from him. We can't hide on this earth and get away from him because he's across all of his creation. It means that God is everywhere at once. There's a word, omnipotence, which talks about this theologically. But God is everywhere at once. He's there with you, and he's there with me, and every other believer, all the time, at the same time. Mm. And he's with us wherever we are and whatever we're doing. Think about that sometimes. And if he's, there so, if he's so grand, so awesome, can we just pull up a chair and have a talk to him? Or do we have to go to some special place, some holy place like Mount Sinai? Do we have to go to a temple or a church? Can we only approach him through a priest or a minister or a rabbi? Can God hear me anywhere? If he is everywhere and he is God, can he hear me even if I'm not talking to him? Mm -hmm. Mm. We need to think about that because God says... He's going to hold us account for every stray word we said. Does God hear me everywhere? Yes, he does. All the time. So think about it for a minute. The God that made this world, the universe, it's bigger and he's bigger and greater and more powerful than all of his creation. In fact, 
He continues to hold it together every day by the words he speaks. God, who is everywhere throughout the whole of creation, says that wherever we are, because of that sacrifice of Jesus, we have a ready-made access into his presence to come to him at any time for any reason to find mercy and help if we need it, to praise him, to honour him. He opened up a way for us at any time and in any place and we can't run from him. I have to tell you that because I did. I ran away from God for seven years and God finally arrested me and said, you can't go anymore because my name is on you. God puts his name on you and he protects that name. But because his name is on you, you belong to him. And he says, come back and talk to me. King David in the Bible said it this way. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there too. If I take to the wings of the dawn and settle on the other side of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. But he said this as well in a psalm that many people know. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. God doesn't give up. He will pursue you because he wants to hear you. So he's not only everywhere all the time. He's also near to you at all times, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. If necessary, he'll chase you down. He did for me. And he's there with all that power and all that majesty that created the heavens and the earth to guide you, to help you, to correct you if necessary, and above all, to share himself with you and to bless you. The God of the universe, our Father, is waiting to answer your voice when you speak to him. Mm. I love that. The, the best I can do with that presence of God is um, God is like the humidity in the air. Mm. Um, some days you're completely unaware of it. And some days it's a tropical cyclone. And, uh, but if there was no humidity in the air, we'd die. Mm. And, um, and the Lord is just there. So I want to wrap up just, just with this one thought for you. If you're watching this stuff, it probably means you're newish to trying to follow Jesus. And we come out of a culture that says prayer works or doesn't work based on if God does what I say. And can I really shoot down that rabbit hole so hard now? When you think prayer is that you can line up the Almighty and tell him how to run the cosmos, give him his orders for the day, and if he doesn't do it, it's proof that he's not there. Um, we have a word for that. It's called blasphemy. Look it up on Google and see what it is. It's filth. That's just, look, sin. The definition of sin, when I think I'm God, right? When I'm my own little God. Most of what our culture thinks prayer is, is desperately sinful. I tell God how it's supposed to be, and he flippin' does it. Let me tell you how answered, and we call that answered prayer. When we tell God what to do and he does do it, that's answered prayer. When he doesn't do what we wanted, that's not answered prayer. Ah, right? Here's the thing. Answered prayer works like this. And you and God doesn't answer prayers. You answer prayers. When you come into the presence of God, and you feel the passion of God for people who are so wounded and so hurt. And when you feel a gift from God rising up in you that you got something you could offer. 
when you go and put yourself in that place where you could be some use to someone and, and you have a go and you break your heart and it doesn't work and you belt your head against that brick wall and you keep belting your head against that brick wall because there's something in you won't stop loving, guess what? That's answered prayer. You're answering the prayer. Prayer is where we talk to God. And yes, we should pour out all our concerns to him. Yes, we should express our griefs. Don't ever try to tell God what to do. I, I've been doing this for only about 40 years now. I am here to tell you. God is not interested in your opinion about how to run the cosmos. Well, he certainly isn't interested in mine. Maybe you're better than me. I don't know. He's very interested about the concerns of my heart, my deepest loves, my deepest fears, my griefs, my regrets. He will come. And my, my mission is to be still in his presence and allow him to be God. So don't, you, you'll, one of the, you want to do this Christian thing? You're going to have to get away from the idea that you have any control over your life. The whole world is telling you it's about, you can control this, you can fix this, change this, do it. Bollocks, start with this conclusion. God is God. Mm. I'm not. I'm comfortable with that. And I will surrender my whole being to him. That's what prayer is, brothers and sisters. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. By the way, you go to a gym, you'll hear everybody, your body's a temple. They don't even begin to get it. Your body is a temple of the Spirit of God. Make that temple rich and strong and let Christ dwell in you mm. richly and allow what Jesus said. There's a river of life running through you. The art of prayer is to let it go. Have a great week. Talk to your mentors. And for God's sake, learn how to pray, eh? And learn to expect this presence of God and look for it. See ya. Cheers.